from VinePair's New York City headquarters, I'm Adam Teeter. And I'm Joanna Sherino. And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal. And it's the end of the year Friday podcast from VinePair. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know? It's the Christmas Eve one. It's the Christmas Eve one. We're not going to do a New Year's Eve one or one next week. So you're not going to hear back from us until uh, January 3rd. 2022. When 2022 when we'll drop till one. Until I'm a year older. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Oh, when's, when's your when's birthday? birthday? New Year's Eve. What? Oh, oh yes. it, wow. Mm-hmm. Keith is early, though, in January, too. He's the fifth. Are you guys the yeah, same A couple of Capricorns. couple of Capricorns. My mind yep, just yep, exploded. Yep. <laughs> it really did. I watched it happen. I know. It's, wow. it's no wonder that we're both equally good friends with you. Yeah. <laughs> and you both like wine. A lot. Only, apparently Two only wine Capricorns. <laughs> yeah, you guys love wine. Um, so we're talking about champagne. Because, like, we come are. on. End of the year. And it's uh-huh. like... This, I feel like this is one of the, I mean, there's a massive shortage right now, but there's a lot of, this is mm-hmm. one of the greatest times. There's a, it's always a great time to drink champagne, but sure. uh, it's one of the greatest times. Champagne's the best. Um, <laughs> so, but I it's mean, also had kind of a chaotic couple of years. Yeah. Let's talk about that. It has. Why yeah. is there a shortage this year, Adam? Ugh, there's a lot of reasons. Uh, a <laughs> lot of supply chain related. It's also harvest related. harvest related. They also didn't produce a lot because the demand was low and then it was high again. It's like everything combined to just be like, you're fucked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But um, then it had a, like a banner year. Like a banner year. I right. mean, it's just been out of control. I think champagne has been out of control in the same way that uh, cognac and things like that have been out of control. Mm-hmm. These sort of um, luxury, luxury spirits, mm-hmm. wines, et cetera, that people kind of realized were much more, I hate to say, to say affordable, but much lower in price off premise than they had realized because they'd been spending for them on premise. Okay. And so like, oh, okay. So, you know, I go out and I get Vove and I get Vove, you know, at a restaurant or whatever. And it's like 150 bucks and holy shit at my wine shop. Wait, it's 50. Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck. <laughs> and so a lot of people were like, I'm going to buy a case, you know, or I'm going to buy three bottles for the price of one mm-hmm. uh, out. And so that happened a lot this year, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just continuing. I think we're going to see a lot of champagne popped um, to end the year. It's just, you know, going to continue to be something that's just on fire, mm-hmm. on fire. Um, Trina, do you love champagne? I do like champagne. Um, Yeah, I like sparkling wine. I like champagne. I probably reserve it for celebratory yeah you know, occasions. I'm um, not just popping bottles every weekend, you know, um, but Tim is, <laughs> we <laughs> know some people who do. He's British though. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like Brits love champagne. Mm-hmm. Sure. It's like part of, it's like your birthright. <laughs> <laughs> champagne, port, you know, that kind yeah, of champagne, stuff. port, you know, storing, storing wine on the heater. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, then, <laughs> and then also now Prosecco, I mean, they're the largest consumers of Prosecco in the world, basically. Wow. I mean, really? Yeah. I mean, it's on fire in, in Great Britain. Mm-hmm. It has been for a, a long time. Um, and I think per capita, obviously, cause we're, we're, we're a bigger country. Um, <laughs> we beat you anyways. So, uh, <laughs> but I, yeah, I, I love champagne. Zach, I know. I mean, you're a Psalm, so you have to, right? Like when you hit the pin, when, like when they, when they educate you and they're like, welcome to service tonight, mm-hmm. young sommelier, Zach, by the way, you must love champagne. Is that like required? Uh, you know, I, I came to, I came to being a sommelier already really enjoying champagne. So I can't say that. I How old were you test. when you became a Psalm? Uh, well, let's see here. That's like, I mean, Adam, a whole nother podcast could be dedicated to what exactly defines that. But I think I started working, doing, doing things with the court of master sommeliers when I was 27. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, yes, I had already had years and years of enjoying 
champagne and sparkling wine. But yeah, no, I mean, I love it. I think one of the things that's fascinating to me about it, actually, literally, I'm sitting here in in my basement office, <clears throat> as you like to point out, is um, a great book about champagne. I just put it called, out last week, you know, on Monday. Oh, it's come up before. It's come up before. I take note. I edit all of these. I listen. Um, I have a, there's a great book by uh, Peter Leem called Champagne that's just all about kind of the region and the producers, the, the growing conditions, et cetera. And one of the things that I think is the reason that Champagne is so popular with sommeliers, besides the sort of just celebratory nature of it and besides the um, – you know, cost of it. Psalms like to sell expensive wine. No surprise there. Mm-hmm. Is that there is a tremendous amount of variety, and that over the last few decades, we've seen that um, the, the availability of a lot of different types of champagnes from a lot of different producers uh, really explode onto the market, and that gives Psalms, you know, as we talked about recently with uh, Amari, you know, gives people a chance to grab onto something, to specialize, mm-hmm. to understand, and to you know, in in the highest minded way offer service to their guests and maybe the less good way kind of show off, but yeah. there's <laughs> balling, <laughs> but there's something about there. There's something about, you know, the, the champagne as Joanna was talking about has this incredible association with celebration and, and conviviality and this idea of, you know, you're having a good time. And while I think that champagne has at times as a category struggled with that fact that people are, reserving it for those special occasions. And while Mm -hmm. they might, as you know, you alluded to, uh, or you mentioned Prosecco, right, which is kind of like a dirty word in champagne these days, Mm. they, you know, people might open a bottle of Prosecco or drink Prosecco any night of the week, they still tend to reserve champagne for special occasions. And, And obviously, you know, there's good and bad to that. If you're a champagne producer, people spend a lot more on special occasions. So they'll spend Mm -hmm. for the three, $400 bottles um, from time to time. But at the same time, I think the other thing that's really interesting about what's going on in Champagne uh, over this last year because of this incredible demand is I think you are seeing producers recognize that there is an audience for Champagne as a year-round sort yeah. of a, a, any occasion beverage because that's what we've seen, right? People have really – it's not like all the sales have been Q4 like they usually are. I mean traditionally for Champagne – you know, October, November, and especially December is where all the sales happen. And that right. that was not the case so much this year. No. I mean, I will say like as for myself, oh. I definitely drink champagne more than any other sparkling wine. Really? Interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I have other sparkling wines for other reasons, but like I really, you know, like I like a spritz every once in a while. Sure. You're not um, using champagne in your no. spritz, no. But I really, I like to entertain. I like to have people over for dinner. And I think if I'm not going to do a cocktail, which I don't normally like to do, because I've realized when you do a cocktail to start the meal and you're having a dinner party, everyone gets pretty drunk pretty quickly. And then, yep. like, yeah. you know, and I think a good dinner party like lasts, goes all night. You know, that's a fun dinner party. And so you don't want people to be like kind of like swaying in their seats, eating some of your little hors d'oeuvres <laughs> while you're finishing eating the dinner. Eating your truffle pasta. Yeah, you know, you know, so I like starting with a bottle of champagne. I think it's a really nice way to welcome people in. It's uh-huh. a 12 and a half percent alcohol mm-hmm. beverage. It feels very special to mm-hmm. most people, right? So like, yes, I could do other bubbles, but it just is an, it's, look, it's a fucking brand, right? At the end of the day, everybody knows champagne. Yeah. It's a really nice thing to be able to share that with people. Mm-hmm. And it's just very different than if I were to share kava. It mm-hmm. just is. And yeah. there are great kavas. I like kavas. You know, when I go to restaurants and there's a glass of kava and it's offered to me, I usually very much enjoy it. But it's just different, right? It's like, hey, welcome to my home. I'd love to share this bottle of champagne with you. Already, it's like, wow, it's going to be a really fun night. Mm-hmm. You know, this feels really special. So that's what 
that's why I probably drink it more. And I don't drink a lot of sparkling wine when I'm not entertaining. Like Naomi and I won't just like pop a, pop bottle, a bottle of bubbles sure. on the weekend. Like I would, I drink, you know, still whites, still reds, rosés, et cetera. Hmm. Um, so when I'm entertaining, it's always champagne. And I, yeah, there's just something really fun about it. Like when it's done really well. Yeah when it has complexity and there's some acidity, but there's also like, that's just amazing brioche and some of the oxidation and stuff. It's just unlike anything else. Mm -hmm. And that's why I love it. So we, we think that it's had such an amazing year in terms of sales this year because people are just like, fuck it. Yeah. Just fuck (laughs) it. No, kind of. I'm wondering actually like people are buying champagne to just drink at home more casually and less celebratory. Well, and I think, Adam got at a really important point, which is that when you think about champagne pricing and you think right. about it in the way that a lot of people encounter it in restaurants, it comes across as being a bargain, very, very mm-hmm. pricey. Oh, yeah. But when you go, yeah, but when you go to buy it in a wine shop or a grocery store or whatever, and, and you realize, oh, yeah, okay, that bottle that I see it, you know, on a list at a restaurant, as Adam said, for $150 is really only $50 or $60 at, at retail. Mm-hmm. Well, wait a second. That's not so much money. And maybe I'm not going to drink a bottle of champagne every night, but maybe I'm willing to drink one a week. You know, and again, you know, we, as we've talked about so many times on the podcast, there are so many people for whom two things have happened over the law, this long sort of COVID experience, right? At this, at one hand, they have been deprived of many of the opportunities they had to celebrate. And especially again, if we're looking at the year as a whole, you know, first half of the year in particular, you know, lots of people, there was still, you know, a while for a lot of people to be able to get vaccinated mm-hmm. um, and to be fully vaccinated and feel like they could go back out in the world. And then, of course, we've had, you know, several waves of variants since then that have kind of caused at least a segment of the population to stop going out and doing things or, or do it much less frequently. And so you have all these reasons why people aren't going to get the experience they want. But a bottle of champagne is, in the end, a very affordable luxury. And that's yes. I think, why people have gravitated towards it, because right. you can feel real special, whether you're entertaining a small group of people or whether you're just at home by yourself or with a partner or with a friend or a roommate or whoever, you can open that bottle of champagne, you can have any food from popcorn mm-hmm. to truffle pasta and feel like it's a celebration and like fried chicken, fried chicken. chicken. It's one of my favorites for That's sure. Great. But champagne does have that ability and it's not unique to champagne, but Adam makes an excellent point, which is that for all that people love, including me to champion other sparkling wine regions and say like, there's other great stuff. There are other great sparkling wines. And that is 100% true. There's great sparkling wine from all over the world. Yeah. In the end, there is some piece of the experience that is, lost when it is when you are trying to explain when when the way you are explaining to your friends who've come over is like well well this is like champagne uh, <laughs> right you know th- this ain't champagne it, it, yeah it, it, i mean you're not that good of a friend of mine this is like mm-hmm. champagne i like you but i don't like you you know what yeah. i mean champagne for my real friends pain for my fake friends yeah <laughs> that's know? right no it's uh, yeah real real champagne for my real friends real pain for my fake Big friends. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Big you tree. too. It's true. Though. Okay. Yeah, that's a good one. No, but I mean, it's we true. Got, we like, got bars, and we're not just talking about the pressure inside the bottle. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but I mean, I do. Yeah, I think it's just. I don't know. There's there's something that's just really fun about it, special about it, delicious. Uh, it's funny because I agree with almost everything in wine tastes with my good friend Keith. It's the one thing that you know you differ. Yeah, I really love it so much. And Keith, I, Keith appreciates it. He, he appreciates it, sitting here nodding. But it's like, you know, he's not busting one out at every dinner party. He, he'll give you Barolo or something. <laughs> but, um, 
I don't know. There's just I, I'm probably a sucker for the branding. I mean, I probably. Well, I wanted to bring it up as well. Like, I think there's extreme brand loyalty in champagne yeah. as well, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that's super interesting. It is. It's mm-hmm. it's a luxury product, and like, there's something that is fun about that. Uh, you know, affordable, accessible luxury. And I think the other thing that is worth mentioning in terms of champagne's boom, uh, Zach, as, as you were sort of at your points, is that also for the majority of people in the pandemic, mm-hmm. they were fine. Like they're yeah. working from home. They're continuing to make money. Mm-hmm. They're saving on other expenses. Right. right? So like, this is uh, something that's like, well, this could, this might've gone towards, you know, our vacation to Europe this summer or something, but we're not doing that because the requirements to get in the country and the uncertainty is too crazy. Mm-hmm. So like, let's buy a few cases of champagne. And yeah. Then, or just like, a bottle of champagne is less than going out to dinner. Exactly. Right. Like, you know, I mean, and when you start thinking about that way, right. And you start saying, okay, well, when I go out to dinner, I'm normally looking on the list at around 60 to $80. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of wines I feel comfortable buying out. Well, wait in the bottle shop, that's where champagne sits. Mm-hmm. So like I can have champagne at home and I can make a good steak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not even just your like kind of very, you know, kind of more well-known, sort of uh, base level cuvee champagnes. I mean, that's where you start to see like vintage champagne and, you know, single vineyard champagnes and stuff like that yeah. from, grow, from grow producers. Like $60, $80 retail for champagne is like, you're getting into some really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's exactly the point, right? You'd be paying that for, you know, in some restaurants, you'd be paying that for a bottle of Cremant or a bottle of Cava. Um, and so to be getting, you know, something that feels much more special at that price point, again, it's that dichotomy between, uh, an on-premise and an off-premise experience. And we've talked about that in the podcast uh, a number of times, but it's, it definitely, I think impacts how people have related to, to champagne this year. Yeah. Yep. Well, let's drink some champagne. <laughs> All right. What do you guys have? I'm very curious. So we have three. So we Ooh, have, three. uh, <laughs> cause you know, we couldn't choose. Uh, so we have a uh, champagne. You're tel- the reason for the champagne shortage. Yeah, we are. <laughs> so we have a uh, champagne Telmont, which I had never had until today. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is, I think it's really interesting. The label is actually very technical. Like the front label, they have mm. uh, the, when it was disgorged, what the dosage is like as actually the design in the label. It's a reserve brute. Really interesting. I think it doesn't, it's not a, I don't think it's a grower. I mean, on the back it says imported by Remy Cointreau. So I can't, yeah. I don't, but <laughs> it's definitely not. trying to fit in that world, mm. right? It's okay. it's going for like the geeks. Uh, then we have Bollinger, Legrand, Anis 2012, uh, which I'm pretty excited about. And then we also have uh, Tangier Comps de Champagne Grand Cru Blanc de Blanc oh, 2011. That, mm-hmm. that, that is a, uh, that is a wine right there. I was, yeah. Uh, so we're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to just chug that. <laughs> <laughs> it was very cute. When Caitlin and I were visiting, we spent, we spent one day in uh, Champagne uh, on a trip, right? When Saul was uh, very young and mm-hmm. we stopped at Tatanger and, and tasted there. They have, you know, one of the, four big uh, producers there that have these incredible uh, underground, like ancient Roman limestone caves where they uh, mature the wine. And we did the whole tour and all that. And we get up and Caitlin tells the the person who was taking us, they're like, you know, this is really lovely. Is there somewhere where I can go like nurse my child? And he's like, oh yes, yes, yes. We have a room for you. And we go in and it's this like enormous room. Like, I mean, like a grand dinner hall it's just the three of us. A, pump, a pumping and, room. <laughs> and basically. And like, um, and they gave us like, they're like, 
you know, they brought us a bottle of Comte de Champagne and they're like, here, you know, it, it, enjoy yourselves. And I was like, my God, this, I got to drive to Paris after this. So we can't drink too much of this, but uh, it was very, a very special experience. So that's, I'm always fond of that one. Uh, Zach, you, uh, are you like a, you a Blanc de Blanc person? That's you, exactly uh, what I have here. So I have a, a smaller negociant producer of Orange Jumel, uh, who is uh, looking at Cremont and this is their uh, bottling of some, uh, uh, wine from that Grand Cru village. Uh, and I opened a Blanc de Blanc because some very nice friends of ours uh, just returned from Maine with some fresh lobster that they're bringing over oh, uh, cool. for us to have for dinner tonight. So I was like, well, what what champagne shall I pair with the lobster? And this was the choice. So yeah, we're we're doing it up here. No no truffles, but uh, but a luxury meal to go with our luxury wine. I love that. <laughs> well, uh, what about you, Jen? Did you do like, have you, have you found, do you like, are you more of sort of a, Traditional champagne? Are you do you like Blanc de Blanc? Do you like Blanc de Noir? I like Blanc de Noir. I think that's delicious. or Pinot Noir, like yeah. forward. Mm-hmm. But I, I, you know, I like, like it, all. it all. I like it all. <laughs> I mean, you reach for the Blanc de Blanc. I, I, you know what? <laughs> that's what we have here. No, these aren't. These aren't. No, these are the. I think the blends. Yeah, these are blends. But the I think sometimes the Telmont. I thought. Oh, yeah. No, the Telmont is Chardonnay forward, but mm-hmm. it's forty three percent. Then Meunier thirty seven and Pinot Noir twenty, and I have no idea about the Bollinger. Um, I don't know if they're a house that's known to be more Pinot Noir or Chardonnay forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a Blanc de Blanc guy, though. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I like like I like the decadence. Mm-hmm. I'm just really you like the thick brioche. My hedonist. <laughs> well, that would that would make me think that that sort of Bollinger would be your more would be your preferred one because they tend to go for that more kind of you know yeasty brioche mm. oh, kind favorite. of style. From yeah. today so far. Delicious. Yeah. yeah. We're going to drink that next. Yeah. So we're, we, we're lucky. These are open, uh, Zach, because today we're actually also ranking all the champagnes for the, the list that's going to come out. Uh, so that's why uh, these are open. Well, it will have come out at, by this point. Out. So that's right. Go Gosh. check it out. <laughs> Sorry. Whatever. We'll link to it. Don't worry. This Edit is, it yeah, out. We're, Anyways, we're little- <laughs> I've drank too much champagne. Uh, but oh, guys, no. I want to say it's been a real privilege, um, <laughs> to do this podcast with you in, this year, 2021, Joanna, especially you, it's been so awesome having you as a voice on the podcast. It's a true privilege to have you join Vine Pair. So thank you so much for thank being you, with us Adam. every single week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach, I mean, come on, man. It's like an old hat at this point. Like, we, <laughs> we know each other. Uh, wishing you nothing but the best as well in 2022. And I will talk to you both next year. Happy New Year. Sounds great. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you love this show as much as we love making it, then please leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced and recorded in New York City and Seattle, Washington by myself and Zach Jabal, who does all the editing and loves to get the credit. Also... I would love to give a special shout out to my VinePair co-founder, Josh Mallon, for helping me make all this possible. And also to Keith Beavers, VinePair Tastings Director, who is additionally a producer on this show. I also want to, of course, thank every other member of the VinePair team who are instrumental in all of the ideas that go into making this show every week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again.